Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Good morning. It is 730 on Wall Street. I'm Michael McKee, along with Tom Keene. Uh, a lot going on today. Some concerns about earnings driving the markets lower. Also questions about the economy. We'll have data at 8.15, the ADP report, 8.30, a whole host of data to tell you about. Earnings are coming out this morning. Time Warner, uh, the cable company, posting first quarter earnings beating estimates. Uh, profit excluding some items, $1.49 a share. That's better than the $1.30 that had been forecast. Revenue $7.31 billion. $7.29 was the estimate. Uh, Royal Dutch Shell, first quarter profit, beat estimates, fifth, uh, did fall 58%, but $1.6 billion, exceeding the $1.18 billion average. Sockgen, unexpected increase in first quarter profit. They uh, made more money on consumer banking, but uh, will cut more at the investment bank. And uh, we thought we'd pass this along. Apple, you listen to streaming music there? They're going to make uh, big changes in that streaming service, the first iteration of the project. Tepid reviews, the number of executives brought in to revive the company's music strategy have departed. There is obviously a question about the stock, so Apple is going to make some changes, uh, we are reporting. Now let's check in with Michael Barr and get the latest world and national headlines. Mike. Mike, thank you very much. Republican presidential frontrunner Donald Trump is singing the praises of Ted Cruz, who has now dropped out after losing the Indiana primary. Trump last night called Cruz a tough competitor. Although John Kasich still remains in the race, Trump is all but certain to lead the Republican Party into the fall presidential campaign. For the Democrats, Bernie Sanders upset Hillary Clinton in the Indiana primary, but Clinton maintains her commanding lead for the nomination. Officials say three people are dead after a small plane broke up in mid-flight, scattering debris across a residential Long Island neighborhood. The National Transportation Safety Board says the pilot of the aircraft reported an issue with his instrument panel before the plane went down Tuesday afternoon. The plane was on a route to Connecticut from Myrtle Beach to South Carolina when it crashed. President Obama heads to Flint, Michigan today, where he will talk about the water contamination crisis. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike? Thank you, Michael. Now let's check in with John Stasher and get the latest Bloomberg NBC Sports update. All right, thanks, Mike. The Islanders now know what it's like to be on the winning end of the playoff overtime. They won three OT games in round one. But last night in Brooklyn, they let three different leads slip away. Nikita Kucherov scored 38 seconds left to tie the game, and it was off to sudden death. Brian Callahan, ahead for Brian Boyle. Boyle, down the right side, drops it off for Callahan. Now Hedman moves in and shoots wide. Boyle with the puck. He scores! An overtime winner for Brian Boyle. The Tampa Bay Lightning win game three. And it gives the Lightning a 2-1 series lead. Game four is Friday. The 1991 Stump Merrill-led Yankees, the last time a Yankee team started a season this poorly, 8-16, six straight loss was 4-1 at Baltimore. As Mark Trumbo homered twice off Luis Severino. And now Alex Rodriguez headed for an MRI in his injured hamstring. Mets had only one hit, lost to Atlanta 3-0, shut down by Matt Whistler. Got his first win, beating Matt Harvey, who's now 2-4 Mets and Braves. Play a day game today at City Field with the Bloomberg NBC Sports Update. I'm John Stashauer. 
Thank you, John. This headline in, uh, the Intercontinental Exchange is not going to make an offer for the London Stock Exchange. It means Deutsche Börse wins. Stock down now by 6% in Europe, the London Stock Exchange, since there will not be, apparently, a competing offer to Deutsche Börse. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keane. We're watching futures improve, but that's from a very low base, as they say. S&P futures still down by 12 points, six-tenths of a percent. Dow futures off 89, half a percent. In Europe, the stock 600 is off by three points. That's uh, nine-tenths. And the, uh, the FTSE, the, you know, reflecting what's happening with the London Stock Exchange down 77, 1.3% on the day. Time now for the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, investing more than $110 million a year in applied research to solve problems and improve life. Learn more at storiesofinnovation.njit.edu. Here's Bob Moon. Michael, good morning. Here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. New research on the deadly Ebola virus bolsters the Obama administration's argument that it's dangerous to take money for fighting Ebola to combat the latest public health threat, the mosquito-borne Zika virus. Government scientists have found genetic evidence that people can be persistently infected with Ebola virus for almost a year without showing symptoms before another outbreak of the potentially deadly disease occurs. The latest study counters the argument many Republicans have made that federal dollars allocated for Ebola could be diverted immediately to combat the Zika virus. Microsoft is boosting its rivalry with Google, Box, and Dropbox with new software to help employees work together and share files, looking to expand a $3 billion annual business and update SharePoint, a non-cloud program that's been seen lately as passe. And scientists had expected to see this just not so soon. They're seeing part of the limestone framework for a coral reef in the upper Florida Keys eaten away by seawater that is increasingly acidic because of global warming. The discovery is outlined in a new study by a biological oceanographer at the University of Miami. He calls it a leading indicator that is, in his words, telling us about something happening early on before it's a crisis. That's this morning's Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. Michael. Thank you very much, Bob Moon. Joining us now, Rich Lesser. He is with the Boston Consulting Group. He's the president and CEO, actually, of the Boston Consulting Group. And as such, he gets to talk to CEOs around the country on a regular basis. They actually pay you to come in and talk to them. We have to beg them. <laughs> they pay you. I want, maybe you could work for us. You could be our booker and get uh, get some of these CEOs to come on. Because we're really interested in what people are thinking about the global economy now. What we're really interested in is why they're sitting on their wallets. I mean, nobody is investing anything. Productivity, Tom was making a big deal of this on the uh, on the television version of surveillance this morning. Productivity is uh, in the dumper. And as long as productivity is down, living standards don't go up. What's, what's on CEOs' minds these days? I think CEOs are focused on three big topics right now. One is finding growth in a world where growth is just harder to find in in today's world. Most of the economies of the world are are not growing or growing below their potential. And and so getting better insight into customers, driving innovation, thinking about how to leverage digital in that in that space is one. The second is transformation, but not just with a short-term outlook, but around a medium-term. How do we win in the medium-term? 
How do we fund that journey in a world of activist investors and enormous short-term performance pressures? How do we get our organizations right for that? And then the final is digital. And there's just a huge focus right now on digital from an innovation standpoint, uh, from a rewiring the company standpoint, uh, from big data and advanced analytics. And I think that combination is is having companies feel pressured. But but a big search is the search for opportunities. Well, let's uh, take those sort of one by one and let's go backwards. Digital, um, yes, the future. But are people spending money or are they frozen because they haven't figured out exactly how to make money off of digital yet? I think I think the investment mindset right now is high. I do think is I wouldn't say it exactly as you did, but I would say that many companies are in the phase of trying to figure out how they're going to do this. If you start with banking around the world, banks are viewing digital as probably the the along with dealing with the regulatory environment, probably the biggest challenge that they're trying to sort out right now, and both about how they rewire themselves to dramatically improve productivity and how they connect to their customers differently and how they deal with the world of fintech. But that's banking. If you go to auto, it's around connected cars and electric vehicles and sharing, uh, ride sharing. I mean, in each industry, this digital agenda is a huge one. I think we're early on in it. So this is coming, in other words. 1990s, huge profits huge gains in stocks and huge gains in productivity that benefited everybody as people bought PCs for the first time. But we're not seeing that now. So is that, that you're saying that's coming? I think we're early on in the S-curve. We're seeing a ramp up, but we are early on in the S-curve of how digital flows out across businesses and across many sectors in the years ahead. The big question around this is how it will flow into the economy and into the workforce because, in fact, in many ways, the disruptions that the next wave of technology will bring will be across entry-level job well, that's, skills that's in, the, in both services yeah. and in manufacturing. Well, that's what, what you have to ask. Is this uh, going to be something that increases the top line or fixes the bottom line because you cut costs? It has the potential to do both. In fact, a lot of our work right now is around innovation, around new products and services, and even new business opportunities built around digital. So it is clearly around both fronts. But the productivity side is a really big one. And if you look at some industries, particularly service-driven industries, the potential to use technology in very different ways is substantial. There's a lot of value created for customers in this. I mean, changing the experiences, letting people lead an integrated online, offline world. It's but But there will be a pressure on workforce. And what's getting underplayed right now in a lot of the public discourse in the political campaigns and elsewhere is just this massive need for investment in human capital and helping people prepare for this world. We'll talk about that a little bit more coming up in just a moment. We're talking with Rich Lester. He's the president and CEO of the Boston Consulting Group. It's a a different world out there, and CEOs have a a different take than perhaps uh, we've seen in recent decades. And we'll get more on that coming up here on Bloomberg Surveillance. Well, speaking of what's happening in the political world, it looks like we have our nominees pretty much in place. Chris Kruger of Guggenheim Securities will join us to talk about what the general election campaign will look like. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update is brought to you by 
CGMA, Chartered Global Management Accountant. The CGMA designation and program deliver critical skills your finance team needs to succeed. Learn more at cgma.org slash radio. Priceline Group projecting earnings for the second quarter that fell short of analysts' current estimates due to an earlier Easter holiday this year and as the company boosts investments. The shares are falling down almost 11% in early trading. Time Warner, owner of cable channels like CNN, posting first quarter earnings that beat analyst estimates. Its shares are up 1.5%. Stocks are falling around the world and emerging market, current, emerging market currencies falling to a one-month low after a Federal Reserve official raised concern investors had become too complacent in their belief that U.S. interest rate raises will stay on hold. S&P E-mini futures are down about 13 points. Dow E-mini futures down 90. NASDAQ E-mini futures down 30. The DAX in Germany is down 8 tenths percent. The 10-year Treasury, little change, yields 1.79 percent. NYMEX crude oil up 3 tenths percent or 14 cents to 43.80 a barrel. COMEX gold is down 9 tenths percent or $11.90. The euro, $1.1496. The yen, 106.62. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Mosca, thank you very much. We're talking with Rich Lesser. He's a Boston Consulting Group president and uh, CEO. We were, we were talking about CEOs' view of the world and why, at this point, they're having trouble investing to uh, improve productivity, etc. And uh, we, we talked some about technology, but uh, what also caught my ear was when you said it's very difficult in this world for people to deal with the pressure from activist shareholders and the short-termism uh, that has arisen out there. And I was talking with a senior Fed official the other day who said they see that uh, and that concerns them, that everybody is trying to make the number for the next quarter rather than thinking about what's good for the long-term health of the company. So I wouldn't go that far. I would say that right now CEOs in many industries are are trying to work through a transformation agenda that is both about how do they win in the medium term and how do they fund that journey and how do they build the organizations that they need for the future, not what they've had in the past. So it's not just short term, but there is an intense focus that if you want to prepare yourself to win in the medium term, funding that journey in a way that's credible in a world with very strong near-term performance pressures is really important. And, um, you know, we talk often to our clients about almost a DIY activism, that you have to look at yourself through the the way the outside world would in this world, and that means what is your value creation path, how do you articulate that clearly with the right milestones, and be able to show that you're both driving performance in your term and positioning to win in the medium term. That's a tough journey. It, it, well, it's hard because you, you, you can't just write off a couple quarters and say, this is an investment that's going to pay off a year, two, three, four, five down the road? Well, I think the very long term, first, you're absolutely right. You can't write off quarters. But the second thing is, as you make the investments, the ability to sharply indicate the value the value proposition mm-hmm. associated with that and how that creates shareholder mm-hmm. value and with milestones that are visible and trackable, that pressure is just much right. higher now than it was. The sausage making for you is you've got to attract best and brightest. It's hugely com- competitive at uh, X number of schools you go to. On your website, you, like everybody else, use all the right words, the transformer and the explorer, the hard charger and the change leader. All that's great, except the clients you go out to see want to do one thing, cut costs. How do you take the modern verbiage of strategy and even strategy over to tactics and translate it to CEOs who say, we got to take X percent off the operating line right now? Uh, To me, it's a baffling time for that. 
But I, I think you're framing the way CEOs look at the world right now too narrowly. Um, I, 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 we don't see that. We do see a pressure to drive near-term performance and to drive productivity. Often it's by making very substantial changes to the business model. In a world of digital, in a world where you can leverage technology differently from the factory floor to the internal administrative operations. But we also see enormous pressures to find growth right now. Where and do you find it? M&A or do you actually go out and make so it? This is, so this is the challenge. I think for many companies, they realize that M&A can be part of that journey, but that the big thing is how do you unlock innovation that's customer value added? Yeah, but come on, you're a Baker Scholar from Harvard. There isn't an MBA course in the world that says long-term M&A adds value. I mean, it's a really suspect path. I I think M&A on average doesn't add value. M&A done, done well can add substantial value. Sure. You have okay, to pick the right target, pay the right price, and then you have to do the integration right. And we see a lot of situations where clients actually do come out ahead and are able to create value. Mm-hmm. But but I would agree with you that if the path is only an M&A path, that is unlikely to create shareholder what? value versus driving growth and unlocking consumer. What answer. word drives you nuts now within consult speak? I, synergy drives me nuts. Paradigm, I want to throw a Kuhnian brick at somebody. What's the word now that drives you nuts within the consulting zeitgeist? I, I think uh, – You're allowed to say PowerPoint. <laughs> well, PowerPoint absolutely does drive me nuts. I yeah. think that our clients just don't. I mean, they want to engage in real discussion, and they want to make hard change happen. And I think a big discussion in our work, and, and in fact, I think a lot of the reasons that clients value the relationship is they want people who are rolling up their sleeves with them to make change happen and yeah. make hard change happen. And getting into long presentations is, is frankly yeah. not I mean, what they the, want. The little secret here is if they bring out a PowerPoint, me and Michael McKee stand up and walk out of the room. <laughs> They have their place. They have their place. But the most important thing is, are you focused on the right issues, and are you making the hard choices to move things forward? And I think that's the world right now. We have, uh, it appears, nominees for the presidential campaign in the fall. Uh, we've talked with a lot of investors who say, well, it's not in the markets yet. What about uh, in the in the C-suite? Uh, are people making investments, making political plans, you know, making uh, plans at all around what the policy of the U.S. government may be come next January. I don't think that that's yet entered the boardroom. I think there's too much uncertainty. I think there's a lot of frustration right now that this campaign has focused on uh, uh, demagoguing sort of comments from the left, from the far, from the right, uh, uh, around business and banks at one end, around um, uh, immigrants or, or trade on the other. And I think that right now what business leaders want is a stable environment that will promote investment and recognize how important it is to find growth. And frankly, the gridlock we've had for the last few years has just made it very hard to get good policy on, on immigration, trade, corporate tax, uh, investing in human capital, I mean, on so many dimensions that business leaders would say are foundational to support growth in the years ahead. The question is whether the fall campaign will have any of that come to the fore or will be focused on other well, topics. Do you hear any uh, talk of business actually getting involved, organizing, getting involved, pushing uh, for uh, one or the other policy? Well, I think the business community has been, I think, generally active in wanting a set of policies 
uh, support trade, support a good immigration policy that allows us to bring highly skilled workers into the country and help spur growth and innovation around investing in human capital, around investing in infrastructure, whether those messages break through in the cloud of you know, all the political discourse. That's a different now, question right now. I don't think our audience truly understands the impact of what you have wrought. There is a thing called the BCG Matrix. It's, it's a movie coming Memorial Day. <laughs> Tell the me movie about might the B- have been in 1968, if I remember correctly. What is the correctly. BCG Matrix? The BCG Matrix was about recognizing the need to not just harvest biz- harvest. Uh, cash from one business and plow it back into that business, but to look at a portfolio and to find okay. the places that were fast you, growing and strong You pass. You get an A+. Plus. <clears throat> I've been at the place you 28 the, years. <laughs> if I couldn't answer that question, okay. you'd really I, wonder I set about you me, up for this. You, you, beautif- you beautifully described the challenge Tim Cook has at Apple. What's your, what's your prescription for Apple Computer? Well, first of all, what they've done is just remarkable, and they've shown in the past the ability to innovate against, you know, environments where people were starting to write them off or going forward. But, of course, the, ch- the next challenge is when you've got a company of that size, unlocking the next growth levers is not so easy. So what's you your need- prescription? you got one minute. <laughs> Look, we're moving to a highly, highly connected world and a world we're always on. And Apple has the potential to be a strong platform across many, many industries and deeper in the business world as well. And the word that I don't hear enough in the media of the analysis of this is the net present value of the ecosystem they're built. This word ecosystem is not synergy. And their their ecosystem and the ability to extend it is unique. But the challenge when you're at a company that size to find substantial growth is a big Mm. challenge. So, uh, But but, look, they've done it before. We'll see. We'll see. Why chemical but, engineering over mechanical engineering? Why should people be a chemi? Well, today, my, I was a U of M guy. My son is now at U of M. He's doing computer science. So that's the world of today. What I you, really, you let him do that and not, not go through Morrison and Boyd and organic chemistry and the rest of it? I didn't like organic chemistry, but I did, <laughs> like, I did like the balance of science and engineering. I thought that was the right combination. And I went to R&D after that of finding insights and unlocking things with both the theoretical and the practical. Pretty quickly, elements. is your son getting that balance in computer science? He's loving it so far, but he just finished his freshman year, so he's got a way to Send go. him to Tom's house. Tom needs somebody to program his VCR. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, he's doing a lot of that in our house. He, he, uh, he should be taking chemi or mechanical. <laughs> but I'm happy to be in the business world. Right, right code now. on the side. Richard Lesser, BCG, with perspective on STEM. Stay with us another hour of Bloomberg Surveillance.